Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. How do we grow? By strength or resolve, can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown. The marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is His intention to give it growth until it comes to fruition. He has sealed it with this oath that he who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do. But we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined, one with another, so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that His timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience, for it's in His goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment, resting in His faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this our assurance falls, that he who began this good work will surely make it grow tall. Well, good morning and welcome to Spring of Life. If you're excited to be in God's house with his people, let me hear you say yes. Yes. You have no idea how good all of your faces look this morning. I've been traveling for three weeks, and I'm so happy to be back home here in Portland. Amen. Yes, thank you, Johnny. I want to be one of those churches that says amen after everything. So if I say something good, just be like, amen. And uh, it'll be weird at first, but it'll be so fun. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John 16. I feel like I was going to go back into our message series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We've had some guest speakers who did an excellent job. Let's give some love to Tanner and Caleb, who uh, brought the word of God. And and also, let's give some love to every man and woman who lived out the word of God as part of our congregation. So thank you guys for not just coming to church, but being the church. Missed you guys. Um, So John chapter 16, we're going to jump in on a message today that is rocking my world. So I can't wait to share it with you. I want to recognize some special guests. We have a team here today from Resonate Church in Pullman, Washington. Let's give them some love. Thanks for coming, Resonate. They're 
they're going to be serving in our city this week um, in partnership with us, sometimes on behalf of us. And so we wanted to meet you guys. So I'm going to pass the mic around. And if you would each say your name and your biggest regret. I'm just kidding. We don't have time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't have time. But uh, make sure to meet them and tell them you're super, super glad that they are here. Um, yeah, it was fun to travel. And it's so fun to be back. Um, today we're going to talk about this idea, overcome. So our thesis statement that we're operating under is this, that we are destined to be overwhelmed by this world unless we realize our destiny is to overcome this world. It's a simple idea, but it has eternal, incredible, startling ramifications if we deeply understand the truth today. We're going to jump in and read it in just a moment. I thought I used to understand what it felt like to be overwhelmed, going through college, paying taxes, and then I had children, and it was a whole nother level. We had one baby, and she's a mess, and uh, every day I'm just like trying to keep her alive and out of jail, even though she's just four. We had another baby. Our baby, John Charles, is like a sickness magnet. He's been like sick with something for the past month, um, but he's still so cute and Still healthy, putting on the pounds. He's good there, hasn't lost his appetite. Um, and then me and Andrea, we just started talking like, should we have a third? And I'm like, how could it get worse? <laughs> like, let's just keep going. Uh, but having kids is one thing, traveling is one thing. Traveling with kids is just, you're ready to go to heaven. It's just like not even worth it. Um, but I have a lot of cute Valentine stories to catch you up on. And people are like, why do you share stories about your kid? And I'm like, because before kids, I had a life. And now it's like the only thing to talk about. So um, the other day we were getting in the car and my daughter, she's four. She goes, Daddy, I just need to tell you something. And I don't want it to hurt your feelings. And I was like, no telling where this is going. So I said, go ahead. And she goes, I just want to tell you that I love you, but I love Jesus more than I love you. And um, I was like, well, that's good because... <laughs> Jesus is like the author of love. So the more you love him, the more love you'll have from him. And she goes, yeah, 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 dad. It's just that God, he's like my true father. You're just like my earth dad. So for Father's Day, I want a shirt that just says earth dad. That's me. <laughs> then one day we were on the way to church and she's being all philosophical. And she would say, dad, you know, I feel like you really need to teach me how to preach. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, I want to learn how to get up and tell people the word of God. Preach. And I was like, okay. And she goes, yeah, what do you do? When I'm back there in kids' church, what do you do in service before you preach? I go, well, I listen to the music. She goes, okay. I'm going to sit on your lap this next Sunday. And when you get up to preach, you take me too. And we'll go back and forth. And that way you'll teach me. And I was like, why do you want to learn how to preach? And she goes, dad. You're going to get old, and you're going to die, and I want to keep this church going. So I said, man, I hope our church has the same love of this church that Valentine Bennett does, because you can get rid of me, but as long as she's around, the Bennetts aren't going anywhere. But she's on to something, uh, the reality that this world is a bit temporary, right? That we, no matter if we're Jew or Muslim or Hindu or atheist or Christian, we all have this reality that we've come to accept. And that is one day our experience of this reality will end. There is an end date. We will cease. And for many people, that's troubling news to be avoided. For other people, it's a source of great joy and hope. And today, you will get to decide where you fall on that as we study the scriptures together. I love this passage in John chapter 16, and let me set it up a bit for you. 
This is not just some dusty, old, ancient writing. This is an accurate, true story of an encounter, of a conversation that really happened over 2,000 years ago. As God in the flesh, named Jesus, met with some of his very closest friends in a room much like this, an upper room overlooking a busy city. Uh, We sing a song this morning that repeated a phrase, God with us. And I pointed out in our earlier service, that is my favorite idea about Christmas and this time of year. I love that idea because for centuries, for centuries, God was known as a distant figure. People in the Jewish tradition, even people in the ancient world went to great lengths to somehow connect to the divine, to reach outside of this planet, to find something grand, to find something transcendent and real. And so religions sprang up and were created be people's attempt to make their way to God. And yet here we have in Jesus, Emmanuel, not that we have to come to him, but that he once and for all has come to us. And so as we read the scripture today, we are reading the story of Emmanuel, God with us, on a very special night. It was the night where centuries of prophecy would be fulfilled regarding him. What Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus ever stepped foot on planet Earth, would predict. It was the night he was going to be captured in a garden, drug away in chains, put before a sham court, drug outside the city gates, crucified on a wooden cross, and left to die. It was the night before all of that would happen. And there was tension in the room. He was with some of his best friends, people he devoted his life to. They'd grown together for three years. There'd already been a betrayal In the room, Jesus had called out one of his friends who had gone to sell him out to the government for a few pieces of silver. This is a weighty conversation. Have you ever been sitting at a restaurant and uh, there's chatter and just general conversation and all of a sudden your ear tunes in on like a conversation you're not meant to hear? It's like, and no, I don't want to marry you. I'm out of here. And you're like, get the camera. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's what we're listening in on with this passage of scripture. Jesus has dropped some really weighty things, and I encourage you to go back through and read them, because they are still so significant for our lives these many years later. But we're going to pick up on a specific passage. I want you to read with me in John 16, 25, where Jesus essentially is about to say, I'm going to get real with you. Let's read together. In verse 25, Jesus says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. But the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. We know the end of this story. When Jesus said this, it was not what his friends wanted to hear. The story continues. His disciples said, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. And this is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you believe? Behold, the hour is coming. And indeed it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone, yet I'm not alone. For the Father is with me. This sounds like spiritual language. Let me tell you specifically what Jesus was saying here. This was not a figurative idea. 
This was a prophecy. This told the real true story about what was going to happen. Jesus knew that at the moment he was being sold out by the Roman government, the moment the Jews were crying out for his murder, the moment he was being nailed to the cross, the moment that he was laid in a tomb that was borrowed for the occasion, that those very people who had pledged their lives to him, who said they would give everything to follow him, who allowed him to wash their feet in the room that night, those very people would walk away and go back to their old lives just like nothing had happened. Jesus is dropping a truth bomb in this moment, but he doesn't leave us there. He goes on to say our focus passage today. Watch this. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Because in this world, you will, someone say will. will. You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. It's not a maybe, it's a yes. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. I think that we could spend weeks and months in this passage. And as your pastor today, I recommend that you do. But today, we are going to do our best to cover three outstanding, incredible, game-changing truths. Three incredible realities that just might change the game for you and the people you love. I'm going to ask the Lord in prayer to bless our time today. And then we're going to walk through some Bible. And then we're going to walk through some practical takeaways. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're not an idea. You're a real person. And today, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, you're in the room. You are working. You have gone before us. You have spoken your word. And today, by your Spirit, would you bring it to life? Jesus, we're desperate for you. We live in an overwhelming world, in overwhelming times. And yet today, there is a promise that you have given us hope. Let us see it. Let us believe it. Let us live it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Let me give you some Bible. If we could put the last passage back up there. I want to show you what Jesus is doing in verse 33 so we understand the biblical context of what I believe Jesus is speaking to. Jesus says, you folks are going to scatter. That happened. Verse 32 came true. We have the biblical account, the historical record. If you are inventing a religion on the backs of a group of people that would spread the message to change the world, you might leave out the part where the closest adherents to that religion turned their backs on the followers, on, on the founder of the faith. Yet the Bible tells the messy true story of these real people God used to spread his message. Verse 32 came true, and yet verse 33 is our hope, because Jesus knew that once his friends scattered, he wasn't even going to require that they found their way back to him. Jesus knew that after the cross and after the tomb, the story wasn't over, that he would walk out of the grave, breaking death once and for all, and giving us a living hope. And he knew that he would make his way back to those people who had walked away, who would find them. He would initiate restoration. And after those guys, after those people, after those disciples saw the risen Jesus Christ, that is what gave them the power. The Holy Spirit and the resurrection Jesus, that is what gave them the power to take this message global. And so verse 33 is a specific promise, I believe, given to missional disciples. 
to missional disciples. And that's a key understanding because our missional identity as a church is that we are a family of marketplace missionaries seeking to disciple the city. And so I believe the promises in verse 33 apply to us today as well. Let's break down that passage together. I think the first thing that we see is this. In this verse, we have a reality to accept. We have a reality to accept. In this world, you will have trouble. I believe that one of the keys to being unhappy is to have unrealistic expectations or unmet expectations. Um, we're going to have a special celebration today. We have a couple who's going to celebrate their love and make some special promises. And they've invited all of you to stay after the service. Surprise! It's going to be so much fun. Um, and uh, we have had some conversations together regarding expectations. Every marriage counseling session I ever do with folks, we walk through expectations. Because one of the number one reasons that relationships of any kind fall apart is unmet expectations. Happy people, joyful people, peaceful people accept reality and live accordingly. And yet I see a lot of people holding God to a promise that he never made. I've been really open that when I was in college, I worked for a phone answering service that partnered with national ministries across the country. I didn't work there long because of conviction. Um, so people would call in and some of the most tragic, disappointing conversations you've ever heard. People would say, hey, Aaron, I've been doing what I thought God wanted me to do. And there's a problem. Life is still hard. Maybe all this stuff isn't true. What's going on? In fact, I talk to people who um, have walked away from faith. I've shared this before. I find it really most of the time boils down to two personal reasons. Either people feel like they have let God down. I mean, I, I try to measure up to the standard of religion. I try to go to the right place at the right time. And there's this deep sense in me that in my own effort, I'm never going to be enough. And so I'm just giving up. I have a dear member of my family. That's their story. I only wish they could see the grace and power of Jesus, that he pursues the sinner, that he goes after the one who's fallen away. That his grace is powerful enough to break every chain. Emmanuel says, when we didn't have the strength to go to him, he comes for us. Oh, that's the gospel. But there's a second reason people turn. Man, I, it's not that I feel like I let God down. I feel like God let me down. What do we see in the scripture? Jesus is speaking specifically, not to bad people who are getting what they deserve, which is what religion says. It's even what um, some spiritual people say. He's speaking to missional disciples who are going on to give everything for Christ. And he says, as you go, remember this. In this world, this temporary little world, this broken place filled with broken people, this, this little dusty temporary vapor of a world, in this world, you'll have tribulation. And in that, we, you and I, have a reality to accept. We have a reality to accept. I believe in this passage, Jesus is teaching us that we will face brokenness on this planet because this is a broken place who are filled with broken people who do broken things. Do not be surprised 
do not be dismayed. In this passage, I think we also see a hope and a promise, and we'll talk about those too. Not only do we have a reality to accept, the second thing is this. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Look what Jesus says. In this world, you will have tribulation. Get over it. No. In this world, you will have troubles. Fake your way out of it. No. Listen to the beauty of his words. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. This is a phrase used throughout the New Testament. Man, this is one of those easy passages to preach in theory. But hard to live in life, right? I've been going through things in my own personal life, and I've heard preachers preach things like this, and I would say to myself, easy for you to say, you probably are going back home to an easy life where everything's going great for you. It's easy to get up with that microphone and say those things. And yet the reality is, is this text is lived out with people who really live and breathe and really make decisions every single day. So I want to point out a few things. I think that we live in a city and in a time where we mistake cynicism with authenticity. Hey, I'm just going to be real. And that means I'm going to tell you every crappy thing that's ever happened and that it's probably going to stay that way. Yeah, that's called cynicism. That's not just authenticity. Jesus is saying you can be authentically hopeful and that the choice is ours. I want you to hear today, believer, you are more empowered than you have been led to believe. Because while you cannot control what happens to you, you can always control where you place your attention. I'm telling you, why is this message all over me right now? Because when I was in Georgia this past week, I got to do some fun things. I got to preach on a big platform where there were like 3,000 people in the audience. They laughed at over half my jokes, so I was feeling all confident. The ones that bombed, I, I just took heart. I didn't notice those. Um, uh, I got to uh, be there with Phil Wickham, who's like an internationally known worship leader. Some of you who know who he is think he's cool. The people who don't know who he is, just pretend like you think he's cool. Um, but that by far was not my favorite moment. My favorite moment is that I got to go um, and just visit the house of one of a dear friends of our church. There's a guy by the name of Daniel who I get a text from every Saturday night who's pouring out his heart in prayer for you. He loves you and he believes in what God is doing here. Daniel used to serve as a volunteer in my middle school ministry, and you know he's godly if he loves middle school kids. He's in touch with the Lord. But what's really special about Daniel is a few years ago, he was in a car accident where his spinal cord snapped in half. And since that moment, he's been a quadriplegic and his life changed forever. And it's one thing to say, I believe this message. It's another thing to sit at Daniel's bedside, knowing that he goes through a degrading surgery or physical experience weekly or daily and to watch him say hey Aaron I have joy because God has taught me how in the midst of tribulation to take heart here's what I want you to hear today do I believe in the power of prayer yes Daniel believes God for his healing every day and he'll never stop and I really want to exercise caution, but authenticity today, what I see in this passage. I think there are times we believe God in faith, and our circumstances get better. 
Praise God. Do I believe that can happen? Yes. Do I believe I've witnessed physical healing before? Yes. Do I believe that that is God's heart and vision? Yes. And yet, do sometimes things stay broken? Yes. Why? I don't know. I'll tell you this. Sometimes we pray and things get better. Hear me. I believe that is the blessing, but not necessarily the promise. Here is the promise. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Mark 6.50. This is a unique situation. The disciples are floating out on a boat in the middle of a sea. It's really a lake. So they're floating, and all of a sudden they see a shadowy figure walking to them on the water. And they are going, I bet this is one of those Bible stories they shall write about us later. No, they're like freaking out. They're scared. They have panic all over their faces. They, um, they were worried. Mark 6.50 says, For they all saw him and were terrified. And in the Greek, that means terrified. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And I want to note, I believe in the sovereignty of the placement of these words. Notice the order. Before Jesus resolved the situation, he gave the invitation for change. Before I tell you what's going on, you have a choice to make. Take heart. I want you to know, believer, the thing you're struggling with, the hardship, the hurt, man, I want it to change too. But I want to set you free today. Your joy is not contingent on whether or not it changes. Your joy is contingent on the faithfulness and the promise of God himself, on the character and nature of God himself. I'll also tell you this. You, before you find healing, need to find a safe place to be broken. And that's why we build biblical community. Because it's hard to take heart alone. And that's why we take heart together. And can I just be real confessional? That's been one of the hardest parts about planting a church in Portland. I think that there is a unique, um, you know, relational thing going on in the Northwest when the history of our city was built by independent pioneers. Like, I think it's sometimes hard for all these, like, pioneer people to learn how to love each other and cling to each other. And what is so beautiful is we've launched about 10 groups of different kinds over the past few months and that we are struggling and learning and trying how to do this together. And I'm just going to be really honest with you. If you join one of these groups, probably someone will let you down at some point because you brought your brokenness and they're broken too. And that's why we can operate on a basis of grace. The scripture says love one another for love covers over a multitude of sins. We don't show up to group as consumers. Like, what can we get out of it? We show up to groups knowing that we need to be loved as others need to be loved. Aren't you glad that you serve a God who acknowledges your brokenness and charts a path forward? There's a third thing that we see in this passage. Not only do we have a reality to accept because happy people accept reality and live accordingly. The second thing we see is we have a choice to make. I know a lot of people who don't acknowledge that. You have been told that it is up to the world to determine your emotional state. I'm here to say that God gives you more credit because he has put within you his image. And if you are a believer, he has placed within you the very power and might of his spirit. And so we have a third thing. This is all pointing to the whole message 
resides on this last piece for we hear from Jesus. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you're going to face tribulation. The people he spoke this to, uh, one was speared to death. One was crucified upside down. Others were like chased by wild animals. One was boiled in oil and survived and banished to loneliness on an island. This came true for each of them. Someone's at the door. They're here to learn about God. (laughs) This came true in their life. It will probably come true in your life too. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. Because I'm going to give you a big bank account. Because I'm going to make everybody like you. No. Because I'm going to fulfill all of your relational dreams. And you're going to use my eternal power to achieve temporary success on this little dusty temporary planet. No. No. In this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Hear me, believer. You are destined to be overwhelmed by this world until you realize your true destiny is to overcome this world. And that's what it means. And that's what it says. I think sometimes I've read this and I hope that Jesus didn't fully mean it. Like, Jesus, I I just kind of want you to fix what I'm going through. Like, that's great. Heaven's awesome. Woohoo! I want to go there. Not today. Um, But first, I really would like you to fix some stuff. And maybe he will. But the promise is different. And when we really believe it, he sets us free. I have to do my little preacher thing here. that says Jesus didn't promise to come and fix this world, this one. Jesus didn't promise to merely teach this world or lead this world. He promised to overcome this world. And that's why we live out this message. Not because we believe we have a new adorable philosophy. Not because we need to gather people in the room that we sanction with our speakers. No. We just have this very simple message for a broken world dealing with broken things. That there is this place (laughs) that is freed from brokenness once and for all. There is a place where every purpose will be fully fulfilled. There is a place where every joy will be complete, where every sorrow will be wiped away. Here's the bad news about this world. It's broken. Here's the good news about this world. There is not a heartbreak you have faced, a physical ailment that you are dealing with on this planet. There is not a betrayal you have endured on this planet that is not temporary. Every hardship we face on this planet has an expiration date. But there is a place, an unfading, unfailing, undiminished kingdom of light, of joy, of love, and power. And let me tell you one of the greatest things about this kingdom I'm talking about. I think that we all have a deep desire, two competing desires, and they get in each other's way all the time. We want to be deeply and fully known. People say, Aaron, you're good at reading people. How do you do that? I said, it's easy. People are always telling you who they are and how we dress and how we talk and what we do and what we don't do. We are all deeply desiring to be discovered, to be seen. One of the greatest gifts you can do someone for someone today is to go out and see them and hear their story. It's better than money. Well, money's good too. We all want to be deeply seen. But guess what we also want? To be deeply loved and accepted. 
And those two desires are always competing with each other. We have these fears. Man, if people really know me or the whole me, I don't know if they'll like me or love me, so let me recreate myself in the image of their acceptance. You want to know the key to misery? Take weakness plus comparison equals misery. Your weakness plus comparing yourself to their strength equals misery. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. It is the place where finally you will be fully seen and fully That is heaven. That is the kingdom of God. That is the overcoming power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is why when we meet together, we say we want to see the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why we build communities and churches so we can begin to experience this kingdom life and this kingdom power now. But we never have it when we're trying just to fix up this old world. We can only have it when we realize there is a destiny beyond this world. And we want to find and bring pieces of that place here. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Amen. That was the best amen of the day. <laughs> Learn from our brother. I can't do all the work up here. You will always be overwhelmed by this world until you realize your destiny is to overcome this world. Precious believer, what do you need to overcome today? It may not be easy. I don't have a 10-step plan. But the scripture shows us reality to accept Sometimes in order to get healing, we have to really be honest about where we're broken. You know one of the greatest things that's gotten in the way of my spiritual growth? My own optimism. It's not that bad. You know what gift, what a gift some people gave me? Is a safe place to sometimes recognize, yeah, it is. And the story's not over. It's bad. But the story isn't over. That is the process through which healing comes. Where do you need healing today? Is there a relationship, an expectation, a belief? What about your friends and your loved ones? Where do they need healing today? The answer is not religion. It's an overcoming gospel that sets people free. A reality to accept, a choice to make, a hope to believe. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for our musicians to come on forward. We're going to celebrate today and have a time of communion to remember what the Lord has done for us. We're going to have, I mean... Salvation is like a picture of a wedding feast. And so today we get to, to share in that beauty. Um, but also want to just share from my heart for a moment for like what we're doing here at Spring of Life. Um, it's always dangerous when a preacher gets out of his context for a few weeks because he gets perspective, which is always dangerous. Um, I always say, when in doubt, zoom out. And so for three weeks, I've been away, but I have been dreaming about what God is doing here. I've been praying about what God is doing here, fasting. I've been seeking counsel. And I'm just so excited for 2019. Right now, I have more questions than answers. But what I'm calling our church to do is just to enter into a season for the rest of the year, just to seek the Lord and pray and see what he would have us do. I love our mission statement. It's not going to change. Inviting thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. Woo! I love it. I would give my life for that and am little by little every day. I love our missional identity to be a family of marketplace missionaries seeking 
to disciple the city. I want to live it out. How are we going to do that going forward? I don't know. How exciting, how thrilling. You know, as I look over the city, I don't think I have the answers. Like, I'm not a pretentious person. It's like, well, they just do it my way. I don't think that. But as I get to know people, as we, like, do our Someone Hears You blog, as I talk to people in coffee shops, as I walk through my neighborhood and find, like, parents who are dealing with hopelessness because they don't know what to do next, as I meet people across the way, I just keep thinking, man, the change that can happen with Jesus. With Jesus, I want to see change. And one thing I've realized is that most people love the idea of change, but we all get freaked out over making changes. And so I just want to encourage our hearts today. What if we made some changes in the future? Like, what are they? I don't know. That would take all the fun out. (laughs) I'm just saying let's walk together. Let's seek the Lord together. And let's pray. It is such a gift to know you. It is such a gift to walk in community with you. Um, I honor what God is doing through your life. And it speaks so much to me. I love telling your story all over the country. But I thank you so much for what we have in moments just like this. Let's go before our Father. With our head bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody. You walked in here with a heaviness today. It's hard to think about, it's hard to talk about, but it's real. Today, there's less of a command, more of a beautiful invitation. What reality do you just need to come to terms with and accept? Or find the place that's safe enough to accept it with loving people. What choice do you need to make? What does it look like to take heart? Where do you need God's strength? What about the hope to believe? Maybe in this moment, if you were to be honest with yourself, all Christianity has ever been is a beautiful idea, but you've never gone all It's not about making yourself good enough for God. It's realizing that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You were the broken, yet he was broken on your behalf to pay your price, rise from the dead. But that gift is not automatic. No, we see in Romans 10 how that relationship begins. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I wonder if there's any person in here today that you've yet to do that. Precious person, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? In the stillness of this moment, you can talk to God with open hearts and give all that you know of yourself to all that you know of Him. Extend your life beyond the perishable world and enter a kingdom that will never fade. If that's your heart's desire today, tell somebody, indicate it on your action card, grab a pastor, grab a friend. Please don't walk this journey alone. After I pray, I'm going to go back to the family table and receive the elements of the Lord's Supper. As we take the bread, we remember his body that was broken that we might be healed. As we dip into the juice, we remember his blood that was shed that we might be cleansed. It's clean as snow. And if today you're a follower of Christ and choose to remember the Lord and his promise and worship in that way, then you're invited freely as the Spirit leads. Let me pray for you. We're going to sing two songs. Time enough to reflect and pray, worship, celebrate, just to experience God together. Jesus, we love you. I'm so unworthy to be known by you every day. And yet here you are. You've pursued me and you are pursuing us. 
I thank you for the collective story. I thank you for every individual story in this room. I thank you for beauty. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for hope. I thank you for this power. I pray for our city. Let us build families here that love each other like you love. Help us when we're messy. Guide us when we're clueless. Redeem us. We're yours. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's respond together. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.